Hello, and welcome back to It's a Very Exciting Time, a podcast by a UFO nerd and his tolerant friend. My name is Scott, and I've been fascinated by the phenomenon my whole life. And my name is Chuck. I'm an aerospace nerd and a tolerant friend. We started this podcast because since 2017, there have been shocking revelations from news of secret Pentagon programs to confirmed Navy videos of astonishing craft. In a nutshell, now that the government has admitted that UFOs are real, <clears throat> or at least that the videos were authentic, <laughs> it raises a natural question. If UFOs are real, what else? Suddenly, some of these other parts of the phenomenon that seemed unlikely are pulled into the realm of the possible. Right? And they may still be unlikely. There's so many explanations for these stories. Even if the truth is more mundane than we're hoping, if any of this turns out to be true, woohoo! It's a very exciting time. All right, Chuck, uh, we are back. We had a couple of weeks off. Uh, we skipped recording last week, uh, and I'm not going to lie. It was mostly because I kind of just didn't want to, and there wasn't oh, a lot I to talk about. To but there was one other reason. Uh, there, there was there was a little something going on where you lived. Well, okay, yes, there might have been a hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> For anybody who doesn't know, Chuck lives in the Tampa area of Florida, and yeah, about a week ago, a hurricane rolled through. Uh, yeah. But you said you're okay, didn't really yeah. cause any damage. Yeah, everything's fine. It was, I mean, it was fine for us, of course. Uh, the people that actually got hit, that sucks. Um, but it was for us, it was more like the dress rehearsal. So, you mm -hmm. know, we we finally got our uh, our hurricane covers painted all pretty, and uh, <laughs> yeah, got all the shades put down and everything, and just sort of like practiced. Uh, we're in a new house, and so we actually had no idea how any of it was going to work. But we got to buy a new rotary drill because our house is made out of concrete. And that was very fun. <laughs> what was the rotary drill for? Uh, you, like you can't drill through. Reg uh, it's very difficult to drill through concrete with a regular hand drill. And so you get this like uh, a rotary hammer drill is one that like rotates the bit, but also has a hammer right behind it and like smashes the bit <laughs> into the wall. At a, uh, so like you can use it for like chipping out concrete or uh whatever so it's it's pretty fun nice yeah. i i meant what were you drilling into the concrete for oh right <laughs> that okay yeah um we were mounting uh mounting double-headed bolts to the outside of the walls so that we could screw uh like wooden planks over the windows or um oh, later got it yeah, yeah, yeah later we'll get like basically kevlar uh sheets for the windows <laughs> you're gonna bulletproof your house for the yeah. hurricane it's it's pretty much how it works. It's like that's the window's still getting smashed, but yeah, uh, the rain won't get in, and that's mm -hmm. kind of the the hope. Like if you get a yeah. giant branch or a two by four or something that hits your window, like the window's toast. But uh, at least you don't have a whole hurricane in the house now. <laughs> True story. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, it's been a week. We're yeah. recalibrated. We're back. I know I said we were going to talk about the uh, Vatican UFO, but um, oh, yeah. there's actually been just enough stuff going on okay. in the two weeks we've been off that we're going to do a fairly standard news update. All so right. we'll, we'll put off the Vatican UFO for a week or two. Okay. Um, 
So yeah, we got a few topics to talk about today. Uh, up first, uh, Chuck actually has a topic for me. He yeah. he's going to be the excited friend, and I'm, I'm going to be the tolerant friend. Yeah. Uh, he's going to talk to us about Avi Loeb, the Harvard astronomer who claims to have recovered fragments of an interstellar object. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, beyond that, we've got a quick update on more whistleblower activity and then a bunch of news about Arrow, including Arrow now reports directly to the Deputy Secretary of Defense. Uh, they have a brand spanking new website, and it's possible that Arrow is in possession of recovered UAP material. So Ooh. we'll talk about all of that. Okay. Um, but first, I'm I'm going to kick back and take the back seat and let Chuck take the lead. Uh, tell me, tell me about Avi Loeb. Tell me about his uh, space rocks. Yeah, absolutely. So this is very exciting for me. I've never run a segment, but this is uh, <laughs> this is spacey and also involved well, aliens. You know, the bar so, like, set so high, Chuck. So high. I'm such a professional reporter, uh, you know, quality material here at all times. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so uh, Avi Loeb, Harvard astronomer, astrophysicist, yeah, um, claims to have found fragments of an interstellar object. Um, he said, this is a historic discovery because it represents the first time that humans put their hand on materials from a large object that arrived to Earth from outside the solar system. Is that literally all interstellar means, is just outside the solar system? Yeah. Yep. Huh. I always thought it meant more than that. I guess it makes sense. It's literally, like, not from around here. Yeah. I mean, it's also a movie, but I don't think that's what it's <laughs> Sorry. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it is... So, uh, I would reject that it's the first time uh because well i don't know i don't no, want to no, get no, man. give me give me the hot take what 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 qualifies before this it's clearly not the first time because if it were the first time we would have no higher order elements inside the earth's crust or or at, you know, on the earth at all we would have no iron um iron doesn't come from the solar system it comes it from it doesn't no, it comes from supernova novas. Um, anything higher than like carbon, uh, and even that I think usually comes from supernovas. But huh. uh, yeah, things like the the universe sort of starts with hydrogen that fuses in stars into helium, and then continues freezing into or uh, fusing into things like carbon, uh, and then at some point those explode which creates a, a quick shock of all the other things. Mm -hmm. Those land on other planets and get incorporated into those planets or get used in making planets. So I would argue it is not the first time because we, we touch the earth all the time. So if I can, but, and, and not because I'm trying to defend him, but just yeah, because please. I'm trying to make sure I understand it. Um, if, if I understand the distinction he's making, you know, this is the first time humans put their hands on materials from a large object that arrived to Earth outside the solar system. Oh, I get what you're saying, Earth. that large objects probably have hit Earth before now, or at least we're in the area. And, you right. know, like, that's why we have some of this stuff. That makes sense. Um, so he's he's trying to make a distinction of like in the modern era 
you know, an object that came in that we saw and we were able to pick up and go, Hey, look, this isn't from here as opposed to, yeah, I dug up some stuff in the ground and because I know about stars, I know it's not from here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose you're right. Uh, and if, if we mince words, yes, that is technically true, (laughs) but it's like the earth is interstellar effectively. And so, or like bits of it were interstellar. So. You know, it's funny if you had told me like, oh yeah, like uranium isn't from mm-hmm. here or, you know, it, like precious metals, like right. finding out that iron isn't from here is like, there's a lot of iron here. Right. Yeah. That's something I've never understood actually that like, there's a lot of that stuff that, that isn't typically built, but also how to, I don't understand star formation and planet formation. Like, I don't know. It's a, a big wide universe that I don't get at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that resounding vote of endorsement, uh, why don't you continue leading this segment? Yeah, all right, great. So, uh, so Charles Hoskinson, whose name I approve of, uh, funded the expedition and said, we've been looking for something the size of a watermelon in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and somehow managed to find some fragments. Um, and the story behind it is actually pretty crazy. So... Loeb said, I found this catalog that NASA compiled of 273 meteors with velocity information. I told my student, why don't we check the fastest moving meteors? Perhaps one of them is like Oumuamua and came from outside the solar system. Sure enough, we found this meteor from 2014. Three years later, the U.S. Space Command confirmed that it was interstellar and provided information about the fireball. That convinced me to lead an expedition because the government data indicated that it exploded in the lower atmosphere. Therefore, it must have been tougher than all the other meteors in the catalog. To me, that raised the possibility that maybe it was made of some artificial alloy, maybe stainless steel, and also was moving fast because it benefited from propulsion. That led Hmm. us to the Pacific Ocean where it fell. We localized the meteor explosion site using seismometer data, and then went there with a with a sled that has magnets on both sides and collected 500 spherules. These are molten droplets from the surface of the object. So just to recap, so Avi Loeb, Mm -hmm. uh, what, like a decade back, uh, participated in all the hubbub around Oumuamua, which is a genuinely unusual object. We talked about this before. It actually did accelerate in ways that we have trouble explaining. Um, a possible explanation for why it behaved the way it did is if it was something like a light sail, which would catch illumination from the sun and accelerate. Um, not everybody was a fan of that explanation, but Avi has done a pretty good job of knocking down all the other explanations. Like I read an article where a scientist tried to say, oh, um, if it's an asteroid that's mostly made up of hydrogen and water ice, then solar radiation could liquidize pockets of it inside, and that might result in invisible jets. And Avi was able to come back and say that Mm. wouldn't work because X, Y, and Z. So genuinely weird object. In the wake of that, he's like, well, do we have records of any others? And then you're telling me he not only found one in a list of only a few hundred items, but he found where it hit on Earth. Space Command is involved for some Mm -hmm. reason. Mm -hmm. 
and then he went there with a boat and some magnets and found it? That's wild. It is wild. He certainly found something that's interesting. Uh, (laughs) All right. (laughs) Space Command is really interesting, them being involved, because he... So he initially did the calculation on his own and had some good ideas of where it would be, but was basically laughed out of the room because <laughs> there's no way he would find it, right? Uh, it wasn't now until... now he's the alien light sail guy. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly, because he's the alien guy. Um, and, but after U.S. Space Command got, um, like, also calculated it, I don't know why they did. Um, I don't know if he was in contact with them or what, but they were able to confirm uh, with their presumably higher quality sensors where they thought it uh, would land and where it exploded and gave more data, which gave him a little bit more oomph to find an investor and try and figure this out. And if I'm understanding what you're saying right, the reason they were able to say that this was interstellar has to do with the track that it took when our sensors registered it so it was coming in at an angle from outside the solar system and the speed with which it hit earth because if it was going this fast it wouldn't be in a stable orbit right right correct yeah um and it is actually generally just down to speed um but angle is also pretty important um depending on how fast it's going past a certain point, it doesn't matter what angle it is. Definitely interstellar, but, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, but the, once you're down below a certain, um, Delta V, um, mm-hmm. or, or velocity, um, then the angle can be important. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you can sort of confirm it that way, but we don't actually have any idea the sensitivity of the instruments. Right. And uh, while he did find some interesting things in the Pacific, we don't. We also don't know that those are actually the meteor. Huh. Okay. Like I, I don't, I don't argue that he found some interesting spherules, um, but so this is Loeb's analysis of the the metal fragments and why he thinks they're interstellar. In addition to the the velocity and angle and all that stuff let me let me rewind just a second we're not talking they said they were looking for a watermelon sized object he's not pulling up a watermelon sized object this thing exploded so i mean they're looking for little pieces of metal right how small are we talking you know i don't know i I think it was only like a a millimeter or two Uh, okay so teeny tiny and the reason it's relevant that it exploded in the lower atmosphere is you'd expect most things to explode in the upper atmosphere. Basically, as soon as they hit that friction, they just come apart. So he says this was made of extraordinarily tough metal. And that's, we know that because it survived this far into the atmosphere. Yeah. We do know that, um, like our, when we try and bring back a, a craft going, 28,000 meters per second or uh, 28 kilometers per, per second. Um, we know how much heat it endures and it's like 1900 degrees Celsius. And mm-hmm. so, and that's, that's kind of like the upper part of the atmosphere. And so for it to survive, it either needed some sort of ablative shielding like we use, mm-hmm. 
or it would just need to be real fucking hard. Um, hmm. Like, uh, yeah, if, if you shot a bullet from the ISS, it might actually make it. I don't know, but it might not be small enough. Let's, let's go with a mortar or something. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, something super dense and super fast could make it um, and make it all the way through the atmosphere. Um, but there, right. it's, I feel like that's so complicated. Um, the shape matters, the speed, the angle, the, the density. There's just so much there. Well, I'm looking forward to your proposal to NASA to mount a mortar on oh, the yeah. ISS. <laughs> there would be no problems with this. <laughs> the ISS isn't high enough, right? That's lower Earth orbit. Uh, it's 400 kilometers. Um, so it is low Earth orbit, correct? So would we have to put the mortar on the moon? No, we could do it from the ISS. You just have to fire Not it at right. the right angle. Uh, the problem that, is, what would happen with the ISS? Um, oh, right, it would get knocked out of orbit. By yeah, <laughs> that recoil is going to be wicked. Um, well, clearly what you need is an equivalent mortar on the backside that fires at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is the obvious yeah. answer. Which brings us back around to the aliens. This is actually part two of our proposal is the uh, an initial Earth defense uh, station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. exactly what we uh, need I'm in sorry. space. I, I asked so many clarifying questions. Okay. You were going to tell us about what the like metal fragments that he pulled up were made of, like why he thinks yeah. that they're interstellar. Yeah, so the initial analysis of the metal fragments... Uh, strongly indicates an interstellar origin. Um, the idea here is that they were composed of materials in a ratio that doesn't typically happen on Earth and uh, or any of the other bodies that we've brought things back from, which I guess would only be the moon. Uh, and so the the conclusion is it either came from somewhere else in the solar system, but uh, one would expect the things in the solar system to have a sort of similar isotope ratio. Uh -huh. um, so he thinks that means it, it is definitely interstellar. Okay, so to get back to what we were talking about earlier with iron, this is not yeah. the same thing as like, oh, we know that iron isn't from here, but also iron is from here because the planet is made of iron. Like, yeah, has a lot it, of it. This is different that this is you know, some unique combination of elements that we may have heard of, but they're put together in a way that we know didn't happen here. Mm. Yeah. So like if you imagine a, a supernova, it's, you know, after the explosion, it's just got this like cloud of all these elements. And at some point gravity will kind of collide some of those together. Right. But supernovas are going to have different amounts of iron and different amounts of, in this case, beryllium, uh, lathanum, and uranium. Um, hmm. I don't know why they picked those, those ones, but, uh, but they, they definitely will have different combinations of those things. And so if you look at any individual sample, you should expect to see similar amounts of some of the, of most elements um the the thing i don't totally uh th this mm -hmm. feels like the the million monkeys or infinite monkeys thing 
Like these are, if we took enough samples of the earth, I bet we could find some that had similar ratios. Uh, given enough samples, you could find it. And so okay, that's, so I want to, I, I want to play devil's advocate here. Yeah. So you seem to be pretty down on this and I, I will remind our listeners, I am a fucking art major. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but Avi is saying we were able to confirm that an interstellar object hit the planet at this spot. So we went to that spot and used a boat. What, what year did it hit? Uh, he said that it was 2014 in the earlier quote. Uh, okay. So, so this wasn't like 1700s or no. BCE or anything like that. Like this is a recent event. Yeah. So in recent times, we tracked an object that hit earth from outside the solar system. It exploded in the lower atmosphere. So we expect to find chunks of hard metal in this area and he went there with a magnet and a boat yeah. and found some yeah and those fragments that he found are genuinely unusual in their composition sure i get what you're saying that like if we were to randomly sample the earth we might find this stuff but wouldn't that mean the same thing that an interstellar object brought these unusual materials here and distributed them around the earth. Like, like yeah. what about his claim sounds off to you? Because to me, it sounds like everything he's saying is like, well, yeah, here it is. And it, it's, it's exactly where we expected it to be. And it's weird in exactly the way we expected it to be. You know, the, uh, the thing that Gary Nolan debunked, mm -hmm. um, like the, the, the alien baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Atacama baby. Um, the, the thing about it is that uh, when it's weird, we kind of naturally jump to certain conclusions. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. this feels like, I, I'm not arguing that he didn't find anything or that it wasn't weird. It's definitely weird. But given enough samples, I feel like we could find similarly weird things all over the planet. And I think he's looking too hard for his solution. Okay. So I feel like we're, we're dancing around the elephant in the room. Okay. The part that you're uncomfortable with is that he wants to believe this is not just interstellar, but alien, right? That that's the real reason you're uncomfortable with this. It's not, I mean, Hey, I found a chunk of a fragment from a rock from another solar system. The, the evidence does seem to support that. Even if you think that you could find those elsewhere, am, am I, am I correct? It's a good question. I actually don't care if it's alien uh, and I really don't even mind saying that it's interstellar. Um, it just, the, the conclusion, I probably haven't spent enough time reading the paper. In, in fact, I've spent no time reading the paper if we're honest. <laughs> Hard but, to save. <laughs> yeah. Right. But uh, finding different isotope ratios to me doesn't feel like enough uh, to draw the conclusion that it's definitely interstellar. And, and it's certainly not enough to conclude it's definitely alien. Um, okay. but it's not the alien that's like, that's tipping me off. Um, like I don't believe that we have enough to really say that it's, uh, interstellar. So we talked a little bit about the idea that Avi's got this reputation as the alien guy, like right. 
is the rest of the community, like the astrophysics community, rolling their eyes at him the way that you are? Yeah, so probably. Uh, New York Times wrote a, <laughs> wrote about the community's feelings and, and quoted fellow astrophysicist Steve Desch from a, uh, Arizona State University. Uh, he said, people are sick of hearing about Avi Loeb's wild claims. It's polluting good science, <laughs> conflating the good science we do with this ridiculous ridiculous sensationalism and sucking all the oxygen out of the room. <laughs> Damn, Steve. I know, right? <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, bro. <laughs> yeah. And I, I get why he's doing it. Honestly, like I think Avi wants funding and he wants attention and this mm-hmm. is a good way to do it. I, I wonder if he even believes it or if it's just mm-hmm. really good at selling books. Yeah. it. It's so complicated because, yeah, right? it, and I, I don't, I may be unfairly lumping you into some people here. The, the UFO community has a real issue with anybody who comes in with a story to tell, who also has a means to make money. (laughs) Like if you're making a book or a documentary or maybe, you know, are looking to get a job somewhere, like as far as the community is concerned, you are immediately suspect and the one issue I have with that is, okay, sure. But, you know, like it's whistleblowers have to pay the bills too. And yeah, like, absolutely. If you are known for being the alien guy, I don't blame you for rolling that into how you make money. You know, I like, I, I, yes, I agree. There is a line you could cross where it's like, oh, this dude is just saying whatever it takes to sell books. Um, I don't know that that does, Avi Loeb doesn't rub me that way, but yeah. uh, it certainly seems like the rest of the scientific community is not a fan of him. <laughs> One thing that I think is really great about what he does and also strengthens that opinion. Most of the mm-hmm. time when you read his papers, uh, the papers that I have actually read, um, they do not contain alien claims. It's really only yeah. when Avi talks about them uh, with journalists. And uh, I think that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> So, I, like, so I he think knows he, how to give a good quote, yeah. <laughs> but he's not actually making those claims in his peer reviewed papers because he knows it wouldn't hold up. Yeah. Um, but it's still, I think it's still causing him some problems. Um, even mm-hmm. just doing that. I don't know. Uh, honestly though, if any of this turns out to be true, whoo, <laughs> very exciting time. All right. With that, let's uh, let's switch back over to the uh, UFO side of things. Uh, I've got a quick update for you. I'm trying not to come in every week with like every teeny little update we get from. Oh, you know, Burchett said yeah. something. Well, what did he say? Well, he said the same shit he's been saying for two months. <laughs> hey, the, the government's trying to sideline us, and we're still yeah. trying to get Russian to skip. Like you can only hear those updates so many times. So unless right. something kind of substantive happens i tend to kind of let that slide and you should all just assume that yes the congressional gang is still trying to move things forward and you know like nobody's dropped off the face of the earth um that said there were a couple of really interesting quotes this week um that uh came along the lines of we've been hearing for a while that there are more whistleblowers um, Ross Coltart in particular has strongly implied that not only are there more whistleblowers, but they are firsthand witnesses to the, uh, e, um, UFO, not recollection. What's the word? Re- recovery, recovery. Oh, why and did reverse we, engineering how, we teams. both missed that. I think 
Oh my God. My brain just completely froze up. But, um, so, you know, everybody's complaint about David Grush is he's not a first hand witness. He's just telling us what other people saw. Yeah. As we've discussed, it's kind of bullshit. He's the investigator. It's his job to do that, but fine. Yeah. We would all be happier if there were first hand witnesses coming out and saying, I personally flew a UFO back to Wright Patterson, or I personally operated on an alien, you know, that kind of shit. Um, so this rumor that more whistleblowers are coming has been in the wind for a while now. Um, Liberation Times put out an article um, and they said, quote, Liberation Times understands that individuals who have worked on UAP programs are now prepared to come forward to the intelligence community's inspector general by making whistleblower complaints. And then echoing that a couple days later, Matt Ford of the Good Trouble Show said, we have confirmed from sources that multiple people have completely bypassed the Pentagon's UAP program, Arrow, and have filed PPD-19s, the official whistleblower reporting mechanism, with the intelligence community inspector general. So we're seeing that there are more whistleblowers, and interestingly, they don't appear to trust Arrow. They're sidestepping Arrow and going straight to the ICIG, which is where Grush has his ongoing complaint. And the ICIG is the body that investigated Grush's claims and found them urgent and credible. Yeah, that makes sense. If I had that kind of info, I would skip Arrow as well. Um, I'm glad that Grush figured out that the ICIG was a viable reporting place and that Mm -hmm. it seems to be getting attention. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't blame him. Arrow seems to be like a, right? a complete dud right now. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of Arrow, oh. <laughs> uh, so as a reminder, when the DOD created Arrow, if there's a whole backstory, here, my God, I can tell this story. I, I want to do like a drunk history episode or I get drunk and just ramble for an hour <laughs> about all the weird shit that happened that led we to We should Arrow, do that one night. That that could be really Patreon. <laughs> we would need a very good editor to trim it down to the funny bits. But um, as a reminder, um, Congress was clearly about to mandate you have to create a body to investigate UAPs. And the DOD trying to get out in front of it was like, whoa, whoa, hey, look, we created our own office. Here they are. They have no power, no budget. There's one guy in a closet. He doesn't have to report to anybody. Please go away. Um, And Congress was like, that's not good enough. Here's all the things this body has to do. And the DOD said, okay, we're renaming this group, which was the A-O-I-M-S-G, it had this unpronounceable acronym name. We're (laughs) renaming it to Arrow, and it now does all the things you want it to do. Okay. And by and large, it did. It inherited all the reporting requirements that Congress mandated, but there were a few things they did not do. Um, We've talked before about how Senator Gillibrand has been on a warpath for the last year around the fact that they did not fund Arrow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That has finally been resolved. But one of the things we've kind of talked about a little bit is Arrow was, by mandate from Congress, supposed to report directly to the Deputy uh, Secretary of Defense. Um, There's multiple levels of command here. You got the SecDef, you got the Deputy SecDef, and then you have multiple 
undersecretaries of defense who all handle various okay. realms. Um, instead of putting it under the deputy secretary of defense, which is a woman named Kathleen Hicks, um, DOD put the aero department under Ronald Moultrie, who is the under secretary of defense for intelligence and security, the O U S D I and S. Ooh, that is a hell of an acronym. <laughs> they love their acronyms in yeah, the DOD, do. man. Uh, so yeah, um, apparently most people just refer to him as O-U-S-D-I. They kind of ignore the uh, the and S. Mm. And I looked it up. It's because all of the other undersecretaries of defense have like one domain. Like oh. there's the undersecretary of defense comptroller. There's the undersecretary oh. of defense recruiting. You know, so this was the one that's in charge of intelligence and security so okay. usdi is the acronym most people seem to actually use um at the time uh two of our favorite people uh big daddy lou elizondo our favorite old school insider gone whistleblower uh worked with uh blink 182 to get the truth out and Chris UFO Daddy Mellon, whose title I forgot to write down, but, uh, you know, high-ranking guy who had lots of insight. Both of them tweeted about this. And uh, Lou said, the USDI is the one single office that has continuously lied about this topic and persecuted whistleblowers. Oof. I want to point out, we're not going to get into the whole story here, but... Lou has a reason he's saying this similar to David Grush. He dealt with a lot of heat when yeah. he was working and when he left, um, they erased all of his emails. They tried to claim he never worked there. And wow. a lot of the harassment that he endured appears to have originated from the yes. office of the undersecretary of defense intelligence. Wow. Um, Chris Mellon at the same time said the inability of USDI to engage effectively on the UAP issue is why so little has changed or been accomplished since 2004. This would have been around, um, 20, uh, 2022. Yeah, it would have been around 2022. So <laughs> 2004, we're talking almost 20 years. Chris Mellon is saying this one department has been keeping this thing in the ground. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole lot more drama, but I'm just going to mention uh, two other incidents. Okay. Um, one is uh, Ronald Moultrie himself, not just the office, like the Department of the Undersecretary of Defense, okay. but Ronald Moultrie himself, the man who staffs it right now, um, appears to be someone who drags his feet with regards to Arrow. He mm. can't legally ignore what Congress tells him to do, but he can sure, like stretch out. things out and you know we, we talked last time about malicious compliance mm. um there's a lot of red tape in the government and ronald moultrie appears to be a guy who knows how to use it to keep things he doesn't want to happen from happening how to dispense um, that tape right um back in may uh when senator gillibrand was on her warpath about hey why isn't arrow funded uh, the, one of the other undersecretaries of defense, uh, the comptroller mm -hmm. was testifying and he said, I don't have any information from my colleague undersecretary Moultrie that he needed additional funding in this area. Mm -hmm. So we didn't get any more details, but the clear implication is Moultrie, who the department reports to 
would know that they are underfunded. Right. And he hasn't told anybody because your then guess they'd get is mine, but presumably he doesn't want them to have funding. Um, yeah. And then more recently uh, in April, Senator Gillibrand was talking to Dr. Kirkpatrick, the current head of Arrow. Uh, this is when we gave her the UFO mama bear nickname. She yeah. said, are you taking direction directly from the deputy secretary? Are you able to meet and brief the deputy secretary? Is the office of USDI and S working with you to have the right framework? Because again, the law in the NDAA said Arrow should report to the Undersecretary of Defense, and the DOD instead put it under the OUSDI. Yeah. And they were supposed to fix that. And Gillibrand is like, have they fixed it? And Kirkpatrick responds. This was when we first got this impression of Kirkpatrick as a guy who's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. He can't answer the question a hundred percent truthfully without pissing off his boss, Ronald Moultrie. Right. But he also can't, uh, you know, talk to refuse to answer without pissing off his other boss, Senator Gillibrand. Um, so he says, I currently report to USDI and S until they come up with a plan for how they're going to implement legislation. DOD and DNI are working through that now, and I would have to refer you back to USDI and S on what their plan is. Mm -hmm. Very, very careful answer. I'm sure I have no idea, Senator. You'll have to talk to my boss. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's so hard to tell who's genu genuinely trying and who, and, and whether they just got their hands tied up by red tape. Um, like Moultrie doesn't look great, but I think that really Dr. Kirkpatrick should have been the one like, yeah, he was mm -hmm. between a rock and a hard place, but when UFO mama bear Gillibrand asked him if he needed help, he should have found a way to say yes. Yeah. No, we have danced back and forth over and over and over. Is Kirkpatrick part of the problem or is he genuinely doing his best with one arm tied behind his back? It is impossible to tell from the outside. There is plenty of evidence to support the idea that Kirkpatrick is himself part of the problem. But I think it is also a fair interpretation that he's genuinely doing his best. He just has his own unique perspective on what that looks like. And it doesn't happen to align with what maybe the rest of us would like out of this department. Yeah. Um, Ronald Moultrie, it's a lot harder to make excuses for this guy. Um, but again, I'm not a politician. I'm not a career civil servant. I don't know what the insides and outsides of these kind of departments are. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree. It's super frustrating from the outside. It looks like everyone involved is bad at their jobs. Right. <laughs> and yeah, you know, it's easy to come to the conclusion. It's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> like obviously if it sucks this hard, they must be doing it on purpose. <laughs> right. Is there, I wonder if there's a, uh, eponymous law like, um, Hanlon's razor about like government red tape. Um, oh, I'm sure. But at, at the very least, there's that old axiom, right? Like, um, don't assume conspiracy where like simple ineptitude <laughs> would explain yeah. it. Like, yeah. it might not be someone who's out to get you. It might just be someone who's bad at their job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's pretty much Hanlon's razor. But I, I think there's got to mm -hmm. be a special like 
corollary for conspiracy. Um, it's, you mentioned that uh, Kirkpatrick might be part of the problem. And mm-hmm. I think that a different way of phrasing it would be Kirkpatrick may not be strong enough to fight yeah. his way out of that armhold. And that's who we really need. Um, whether yeah. he's for it or against it. Um, yeah. I did not bring this up on the show because this is complete hearsay. So I'm about to repeat what I remember of this to you, but I am going to preface this by saying this is a complete unsourced, unfounded rumor. It may be complete bullshit, but it's one of those things that's kind of like, well, it kind of fits the facts. Should Um, I, should I go get the popcorn and like, (laughs) no, it's, it's not that big a story, but basically it looks like Kirkpatrick's career had pretty much hit a dead end before he was appointed head of arrow he was kind of going nowhere he didn't have a great reputation and if you were looking for someone to appoint to be the head of your dead-end agency someone like kirkpatrick might be someone who is totally game to show up and get what looks good on their resume without necessarily being expected to achieve results yeah i don't know but you know, it's one way of kind of interpreting, Hey, if you're kind of a middling civil servant, this might be the only way you're going to get to be the head of a department. And if you do a good job or at least don't mess it up totally, maybe you get a recommendation to a real job after this whole thing blows over. But you know, I don't know. Again, that is total mudslinging rumor mongering who knows but it it speaks to where we're at with this topic right that like we we have to infer so much you there's there's so much here that from the outside looks like at best neglectful like don't care behavior and at worst actively interfering behavior And I think it's kind of natural to kind of want to find a reason, like, why would anyone do this? And it's kind of easy to latch on to this idea of they must be actively sabotaging it. And, you know, it's an easy, comfortable answer to reach for. And I try to avoid painting Kirkpatrick or even Moultrie into that corner too much because who knows? Um, So anyway... All of that backstory about Ronald Moultrie and his department and how they appear to be part of the problem. Certainly Big Daddy Lou thinks so. Uh, I'm talking about it because uh, the defense, this the deputy defense secretary, uh, Hicks, took over Arrow in late August. It what? now does report to her. And this does not appear to be an orderly transition of, you know, they worked out a game plan and Ronald Moultrie handed it over. This was all intended and we'd been working on it for six months. This looks like uh, the boss came in and kicked some butts and took it away from someone. Um, And a big part of that appears to have been around the website, which we're going to be talking quite a bit about. Um, (laughs) Isn't it always? (laughs) Right. I got a quick quote from her here. She says, quote, Arrow is not yet at full operational capability, and I look forward to Arrow achieving that in fiscal year 2024. So she's coming out the gate. That sounds like a threat. (laughs) It really does, doesn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, this sucked before, but I am here to fix it. Um, 
who knows? We'll see. Uh, you know, technically Moultrie reports to Hicks. So maybe she's been part of the problem the whole time, but on paper, this is what we're looking for. Uh, defense scoop wrote a big article about this. Um, there was one interesting line in there said Hicks now holds regular meetings with arrows inaugural director, Sean Kirkpatrick, who she has also repositioned to report directly to her. Um, and when I read that, I kind of went, Ooh, <laughs> and I wasn't a hundred percent sure why. And then I saw a tweet from, uh, Kelly chase of the UFO rabbit hole podcast, who I have recommended before. If, if you are looking for another UFO podcast, cannot recommend UFO rabbit hole strongly enough. She's great. Um, but <laughs> she said, oof, not good. When you got to meet with your boss weekly to make sure you're doing your work. In the corporate world, they call that a performance improvement plan, which usually just means they're trying to more directly document your ineptitude so they can fire you. And, um, buddy, having been on the receiving end of a, uh, I feel bullshit PIP that did result in me being fired, woof, can confirm. Oh, that <laughs> sucks. Uh, so as counterpoint, I don't know. Uh, I super look forward to meeting with my boss weekly and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not on a pip. Um, I think it's a, it's a big opportunity to learn from someone who's, who sees a different angle on what you're doing um, mm. and can compare your org to someone else's. So I don't know if it changes at the director level, yeah. but I could imagine well, I, being delighted I think what to have you that hit, meeting. Oh, hundred percent. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, which is, <laughs> Kelly and I read Hicks now holds regular meetings as you're in trouble. You mm. read that as, oh, good. He's finally getting to meet with his boss. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> you know, and I totally agree that the article itself doesn't actually take a side. It doesn't present this as yeah. positive or negative. It's purely what your background is at work that you're bringing in. So yeah. I, I love that you're, you're bringing such an optimistic, rosy view to it. And to note, I have a great view with my current boss, yeah. but I have had a lot of bad bosses oh, in the past. And yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. My brain goes to that side before I go to the, your boss is probably great side. <laughs> you have had some exceptionally bad bosses in the past. I have. You've had some of the same bosses. Yeah. We, we have had some exceptionally <laughs> bad bosses in the past. <laughs> All right. So yeah, uh, I mentioned a big part. The temptation to call them out by name right now. Very high. Ooh, ooh, bad idea. Bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Abort. <laughs> All right, let's carry on. Uh, so yeah, we mentioned a big part of the reason that uh, SecDef Hicks took over was to help speed up the launch of Arrow's website, which has become a bit of a point of contention, yeah. I yeah. think it's fair to say. Um, a quick recap of the timeline here. The 2023 NDAA, which passed the Senate and the House in like Q4 of 2022 and was signed into law by Biden at the end of 2022, uh, required that arrow have a website and it had a deadline of June for that. Mm. Um, in April, when Kirkpatrick was testifying to, uh, Senator Gillibrand, he told her that his team had submitted the website back in November, but was still waiting for approval. Meaning six months later, nothing has happened. 
And at the time we were like, Oh, big oof. That's not great. Someone is dragging their heels on this. Um, and that was how everybody interpreted it. Um, and then more recently in July at the UAP hearing with everybody, um, the witnesses made no small point about the fact that Arrow keeps saying they want to hear from witnesses and whistleblowers, but they literally have no contact mechanism. <laughs> there is no email on their website. There's no contact form. There's just no way for you to do it unless you happen to know somebody in Congress who can give you a personal referral. Right. Um, well, as a result of Hicks taking this over and getting the website launched, uh, Defense Scoop got uh, some insight from her on what was happening. And just to kind of tip my hand here, I am not a political scientist. I am not an astrophysicist. I may not know much about anything about anything, but you know what me and Chuck do know a lot about? launching websites yep. so this is one of the things we're like ooh, give me give me the juicy gossip about this right. let me hear <laughs> um so i won't get into it because i think most people won't care but the short version is that between behind the scenes this website was ping-ponging back and forth between arrow and moultrie <laughs> Uh, they've got a quote in here. It says between November, 2022 and April, 2023, that submitted package moved back and forth between the I and S front office and arrow at least every other week <laughs> at Moultrie's request arrow regularly responded to questions, made edits and re-coordinated the memo. And Kirkpatrick also had several in-person meetings with the undersecretary himself. Mm demanding clients, endless revisions, totally been there. Been there. Oh boy. Um, on June 27th, so we're catching up to present day now, okay. uh, the website was finally sent to DOD lawyers for review. Um, I want to address something for anybody who doesn't work in websites professionally. I told this story to Annie and she was like, why would the lawyers not have been involved from step one? And you and I know the answer to that. Lawyers are real, real expensive. You don't bring them in a minute before you have to. If there's any chance this website is going to change, you are not going to have the lawyers look at it. So yeah. if it went to the lawyers, it was in a very close to final state. Um, but lawyers are lawyers uh, and DOD lawyers are DOD lawyers. Mm -hmm. And they came back. Uh, with several, quote, privacy and records management requirements that Arrow needed to address Ooh. before releasing the secure reporting mechanism portion. Uh, to put this into plain language for people, secure reporting mechanism, that's a form. It's a yeah. contact form on the website. Right. And they're a nightmare to build under the best of circumstances. <laughs> but when lawyers are involved, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Arrow then reached out to department stakeholders to address the issues that were raised, but, quote, faced challenges receiving definitive guidance on what privacy and records management actions were required oh to launch God. the website. Oh, man, do I feel that right in my bones. Yeah, so there's <laughs> like one a one-liner in the spreadsheet that says privacy issues and nobody knows what it, what they were. Ugh, right. That's horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what, what a nightmare. Yeah. What a nightmare. Right. Yeah. So we, we have to operate, uh, in, uh, a series of AWS 
regions called uh, Fed cell or uh, like Fed regions. I don't know. Uh, anyways, we have to operate FedRAMP compliant services for a bunch of our stuff. And the privacy requirements just to be in that AWS special region are incredible to begin with. I can only imagine like how rough that is. Um, mm-hmm. Like we have multiple teams just working on on keeping us okay. And right. And let's yeah. be clear: this is not just an email contact form. Hey, say hi to the director of Arrow. Right. This is a give us your testimony about maybe classified shit you've seen, and legally we are mandated to protect you under. Uh, whistleblower laws, which means, as you know, right, like when we deal with like HIPAA stuff and PII on websites, it's extremely important that you delete everything that's identifiable as fast as humanly possible. Yeah, I can't even imagine the hoops you have to jump through for federal whistleblower protection. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So thinking about this form, like I have a very negative feeling about forms on websites. And this would be a, yeah. a bonkers form, right? Like it'd be oh, so yeah. long. Can you imagine like clicking the go button and it just goes nowhere? You're like, God oh no! <laughs> Throw the laptop. I out just the spent window. three hours filling out this form and it for a board. Yeah. God damn it! <laughs> they always do. They always do. Uh, so yeah, um, bringing it back to Deputy Secretary of Defense Hicks, uh, it says. She was not provided with the website materials until late July. Now, as a reminder, she is Ronald Moultrie's boss. Ronald Moultrie is Kirkpatrick's boss. Yeah. Kirkpatrick has been pinging back and forth with Moultrie for six, seven months now. They've finally gotten the lawyers involved. Here's his final thing. I'm sure Hicks has a lot of things on her plate, and I'm sure... The website for the UFO group is not high on her list. No, probably. But I find it impossible to believe that at no point in seven months did anyone ask or mention it. So Hicks only seeing it in July is a big oof. Like, here we are. Oh, yeah. Hey, by the way, that website is done. We're about to launch it. We're just crossing the the legal dots. And she's like, what the hell? On July 31st, so remember on June 27th, they sent it to the lawyers. So here we are more than a month later and, you know, they have not launched the website. They have not addressed the legal issues. Uh, She, quote, convened stakeholders to discuss Arrow's website and formally directed DOD to provide that office with any administrative and technical support needed to build and launch the online portal successfully. Now that's a lot of verbs and a lot of words and a lot of nouns. What I read between the lines there is they got, like you said, Hey, this form doesn't meet the requirements. And Arrow asked, how do we make this form meet the requirements? And no one would work with them. And they were just kind of left hanging. And it took their boss's boss coming in and pointing at the DOD and saying, you have to work with these guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. And from that point forward, she didn't take over Arrow as a whole, but she took over the website project. Mm. <laughs> At that point, she's working on the website and paying a lot of attention to it. And so here we are, you know, like basically just over a month later and the website has launched. Hey. Uh, so she came in and cracked some heads. Yeah. Uh, or to put it more tactfully, as Pentagon spokesperson Eric Pahone said, she has the ability and used it to bring together all the top actors in the department. I think what she found was that this was being worked on at a working level. <laughs> a working level. What does that, what does even, that mean, even mean, man? This was being worked on at a working level, but it did not have the right level of senior leader attention until she really kind of drove it home to say, hey, you people around the table are going to make this thing happen. Oh man, that this, like everything about this is what I deal with every single day. Oh my God. It's so relatable. It's, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the actual website as much as Chuck and I could sit here and spend another two hours gossiping about difficult client exchanges yeah. and hard website handoffs. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, before we talk about the website, I will just say this actually gave me a little bit of sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> Kirkpatrick. Before this, I was very down on him, but yeah. now I'm like, honestly, like eight months to get yeah. a website launched in the face of this much red tape. I, you're doing pretty well, bud. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's kind of That's true. not bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was only two months late, but hey, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the website is finally live. Uh, you can go look at it if you want. It's aaro.mil. It is a single page website. Mm -hmm. um, Wait, is it, it is a very... is it a SPA or is it just a single page no, website? It is a single page website. Awesome. Uh, I I don't know what the tech behind it is. I didn't try to look, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was PHP or something. This has the look of a standard like government issue, you know, department website template that they have populated. Um, we'll talk a little bit about this, but it is very clear. The holdup on the website was not the content. Frankly, there isn't a lot of content to speak of. There's a bunch of slide decks. There's, um, you know, a, a few paragraphs of info. They've posted some videos and stuff, but mostly it was supposed to be this secure reporting mechanism, which is not actually part of the website. There's a big section right in the middle says secure reporting mechanism coming soon. <laughs> yep. So even with uh, Deputy Secretary of Defense Hicks, like kicking butt, even there, the answer was, well, we can launch the website, but we can't launch it with the form. And she said, launch it without the form. I'm tired of you not having a website. Yeah. So uh, the the word is that we will be seeing something around late October. Um, and going back to that uh, Defense Scoop article, they talked about the secure reporting mechanism will be rolling out in phases. So there are three phases. Phase one, which is already done, was providing an email address for congressional witnesses. So we we guessed this existed. Um, we were hearing behind the scenes that uh, Kirk 
uh, uh, Gillibrand and Rubio and some others were referring people to Arrow. Obviously, they had a mechanism to get in touch with them. We right. now know that, yes, literally, it was like whistleblower at arrow.mil or something like that, you know, and Congress was able to give that email address to particular people they thought Arrow should talk to. Phase two, which is in review now and is expected to launch in late October, is the secure reporting mechanism for military and government employees. We'll talk about that more in a second. Okay. And phase three is a mechanism for public reporting, uh, mm. which is, quote, deferred for now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to admit. As much as I personally want to see Arrow getting more transparent and more involved with the public, there is no world, if I was the director of a department, that I would put up a public comment form. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. do you want to email Sean Kirkpatrick? You can do it here. Good God, kill me now. Nobody yeah. wants to review that inbox. <laughs> yeah, right. I bet now that I'm reading this again at this morning, I was like, Oh, they have an email. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I think that's fair, <laughs> but, but reading it again, phase two, I wonder if it's, if it's just going to be like, no, you have to be on the, the VPN. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, yeah, I don't know. Um, so we've got a quote here about the reporting mechanism it says arrow will be accepting reports from current or former U.S. government employees, service members, or contractors with direct knowledge of U.S. government programs or activities related to UAP dating back to 1945. We will announce when a reporting mechanism is available for others to use. So to clarify, that 1945 date, that ties to um, another NDAA requirement, which is that Arrow is supposed to put together a historical report mm. of everything the U.S. knows about UFOs going back to 1945. So this is them saying, we need a way to let people who know about this stuff that we have to put in that report, give them a way to get in touch with us. So Phase two is not anybody can talk to us. Phase two is if you're relevant to that report we have to put together, you can contact us here. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Hey, uh, do you want to know the, the technology? I think it's going to make you yes, really happy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it appears to be ASP.NET, which, okay, mm -hmm. whatever. Sure. Uh, sure. With the major JavaScript framework underneath it being jQuery. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, yeah, that definitely feels like feels yep, like... this template was approved eight years ago and yep. we see no reason to update it. Yep. <laughs> uh, Pentagon spokesperson Eric Pahone again said the process for submitting these records via the Arrow website is going through a significant security review <laughs> to ensure that we protect both the privacy of the participants and the security of the site. Uh, because yeah, we haven't talked yeah. about it, but if there's ever a website that's going to be a target for hackers, good Lord. Uh, Arrow and the department recognize that members of the general public also desire to make UAP reports, and this capability will be established in the next phase of website development in the coming months. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And then there's a little footnote on the website like, 
well, what do you do if you need to report now? And the short answer is if you're military, you report to your commander. And if you're a civilian pilot, you are encouraged to report to air traffic control, which I would think was kind of a, yeah, whatever, don't talk to us. But actually they had another sentence right after that says, quote, Aero receives UAP related pilot reports from the FAA. So mm. if you talk to air traffic control, they're supposed to tell the FAA and the FAA bundles those all up and sends them off to Aero. So not yeah. quite as much of a brush off as it sounds. Yeah. But basically maybe. go through existing channels. We, we can't help you. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I gotta say, I am so delighted to not be involved in this website. Like this, yep. this thing, <laughs> I, it, I feel like we should put down bets right now about how long until it gets hacked and leaked. Um, oh my God. <laughs> like, but yeah, uh, it's a, a good reminder that I should brush up my um, dark web USB stick. And uh, <laughs> so I can out, start, man. you're going to, you're going to get a visit. <laughs> no, no, no. Just so I can watch for the leaks coming out. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so yeah, the, the, Reporting mechanism is not there, but there is other content on the website. Uh, and we're going to talk about two parts of it in particular. Um, first of all, they have a section for videos. Uh, DOD oh. spokesman Brigadier General Pat Ryder said the site will provide information, including videos and photos on UAP resolved UAP cases as soon as they're declassified and approved for public release. Oh, uh, they've got a video section uh, with videos that we have seen before, including the three uh, videos from the 2017 New York Times article. Those are all labeled as unresolved, mm. uh, but they couldn't not put them up there. Like they, yeah, they, right. those are in the public awareness. Uh, and also the ones that Kirkpatrick has shared at his previous appearances, uh, both the debunked ones, because uh, he put up a bunch that were like, here's IR footage or something that kind of looks like a UFO, but we in fact determined it was a 747, you know. Hmm. Um, but also he showed a weird video of a metal orb flying over troops in uh, the Middle East. Right. Um, that video... <laughs> has a note that says while arrow assesses the object in the clip is not exhibiting anomalous behavior. The object remains unidentified. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it seems pretty anomalous for an orb right? with no propulsion, but I mean, you know, I can only assume like the most charitable I can be is it is moving through the air in a straight line at what doesn't look like supersonic velocity. Mm. I don't understand how it's flying, but it's not like making 90 degree turns at Mach 5. It's not go flying into the side of a mountain. It's not disappearing. Uh, but still, yeah, a flying spherical object with no, <laughs> no way to fly. If that doesn't qualify as anomalous, what does? I mean, yeah. what are we doing here? Yeah. And, and I think this is part of the reason why people are so pissed at Kirkpatrick is he has a tendency to say things like this. Oh, we've seen no evidence yeah. of anomalous behavior. Also, here's this video of a flying metal sphere. Well, that's like, pretty weird, Sean. You want to talk about that? Let's, let's work <laughs> on your definition, Sean. Good Lord, buddy. <laughs> um, so yeah, the website it is finally live. I'm glad it's finally live. I, I take it as a positive sign that someone finally got involved and 
put some, you know, like pedal to the metal and got it launched. That That is unquestionably a step in the right direction. Even if the website itself is not maybe everything we would like it to be. Um, but there is one real, real weird bit on the website. Oh? Um, Wait, is it so, time to get weirder? No, it's not that weird. Um, okay. But wow. it's weird given what we have heard about Arrow, right? They have been very like, hey, man, we're just looking at videos. And, uh, you know, the videos are weird, but, you know, we can't tell you what they are. They're certainly not aliens, though. You can you can uh, uh, go away. Um, yeah. I thought I thought this might be the beginning of the uh, let's get weird, Chuck segment oh um, i have no, like a whole it's not a whole that sound bite and everything set up so i don't Ooh. i don't actually well, i'm gonna really have to it, write some let's get weird material yeah, okay yeah, yeah. um little teaser for your for our audience there um <laughs> so it is possible that arrow has uap material right now what now, we have talked about like legacy programs having yeah. recovered material which yeah. Grush explained to mean both intact craft, wrecked craft, and just like, I don't know, bits that fell off craft. Um, okay. So we don't know what it means that they have UAP material. And I would not interpret that as Arrow has a UFO. I would interpret that to mean they've got some of the like bits or unusual bits of metal. Maybe it's okay. stuff Avi Loeb gave them. Yeah, <laughs> right. Or meta I don't know, guys. I found this. It seems pretty weird. Yeah, the meta materials <laughs> from the Blink One Eighty Two right. guy. Oh my god, Sean Kirkpatrick would be so happy to just talk about like weird metal blobs that Avi Loeb found and have people stop asking him questions about right. UFOs. He absolutely would. <laughs> it, yeah, um, he should really get back to that. Honestly, he should. He'd be happier. Yeah. Uh, the site includes a slide deck titled Arrow Mission Overview. Okay. Um, and it is clearly like a slide deck that they give when they're like reporting to people like, Hey, mm. here's who we are. Here's what we do. Um, it's, it's fairly interesting. It's nothing we haven't heard before talking about stuff, but there was one weird bit on it. Um, one section buried on a slide with a bunch of other things that they do was titled UAP object recovery. Oh, and the description was. And this is only a paragraph says leads UAP recovery planning and execution in close collaboration with Aero science and technology group advises commands on the secure and safe handling storage transport and transfer of UAP objects and material for Aero science and technology exploitation. Whoa. Uh, um, what is okay. So, what is Aero Science and Technology? I think that's just the fancy name for they have an R&D section. Oh, okay. That's cool. So are they just, yeah. do you think they're just being optimistic or did they actually do this already? It's so weird, right? I, I have to admit, my initial read on this was not, oh, they already have stuff. It's there are clearly laws being passed that arrow is the place for UFO stuff to go. And in mm. case anybody recovers anything, I guess we better have a folder somewhere that says what we do yeah. when a truck shows up with some stuff they found out in the desert, you know, like right. um, th that would be my initial read, but liberation times this week published an article says, quote, 
multiple U.S. intelligence and defense sources have confirmed that Arrow has coordinated the collection and analysis of materials from an unknown origin. According to sources, the material is connected with an alleged UAP event and is not readily explainable in reference to its composition. The analysis has not been concluded, meaning any potential origin cannot be verified at this time. Hmm. Okay. I mean, <laughs> it sounds a little less like a recovery effort and more like, well, some people brought us some stuff and... Agreed. Okay. Yes. Absolutely agreed. This does not sound like the Navy turned over a UFO they found. This sounds like, um, it, well, okay, literally one possibility um, to the Stars Academy. This is Tom DeLonge yeah. and Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon back in the day. They had a science and technology division. It has since been shuttered. To the Stars is no longer To the Stars Academy. It is now just To the Stars and they are an entertainment company. Okay. But at the time, they had acquired a number of bits of metal and things that people had that they claimed were UFO material. Mm. Um, most notably, there was a collection of items called Arts Parts. Um, art, in this case, is Art Bell of the legendary Coast to Coast AM radio program. Okay. Uh, if you're like me, that immediately causes you to doubt the veracity of these parts. But they have been floating around in the community for some time. The word is they were recovered on a beach from an area where many people saw a UFO with pit, like bits falling off of oh. it. And all of these people were able to pick them up and as a result there is a like verified evidence chain of like they came from here these people saw them and we've known where they were ever since wow they may or may not be alien but we know that it wasn't some dude made it in his garage it was like oh look what i found you know yeah. um yeah. so to the stars academy had arts parts and some other things and they were investigating them also, to the Stars Academy had military contracts, and they were working with the military to analyze some of these parts. So it's possible that what's happened is those parts have been handed over to Arrow when someone saw the writing on the wall with the upcoming NDA requirement that you better give your stuff to Arrow if we catch you holding ufo stuff when you're not supposed to there's going to be consequences yeah. so maybe someone has already handed over so you're totally right this does not necessarily mean ufo it does not necessarily mean alien it doesn't necessarily mean craft it's yeah. just material of unknown composition sure but it's still a big change from last we knew arrow was sean kirkpatrick and a bunch of nerds yeah. And he was very proud of the nerds. He had a good structure for them. They were investigating reports, but they were doing investigative work. Right. Yeah. Now, suddenly, they have a science and technology division, and they Which are analyzing new. materials of unknown origin. Right. Whatever the materials are, that is a change yeah. in what we know about what Arrow does. And I think it speaks to what may be coming down the road. When we look at the NDAA, when we look at... Uh, Gillibrand's new amendments about how you better hand over your alien parts. When we look at Chuck Schumer's like UFO disclosure plan, yeah, it sure looks like 
behind the scenes, some people are realizing it's a matter of time and we better get our ducks in a row. And part of that means Arrow is the place that this stuff is going to get dumped for better or worse. And it looks like Arrow has a plan for dealing with it. Um, Who knows? You know, this is a a single report from a single newspaper and a single mention on a weird slide. But uh, yeah, pretty weird, right? It's a a big deal going from a bunch of nerds in a basement to having a a warehouse somewhere. Uh, Even Mm -hmm. if it's not full of... uh, alien craft if it's full of interesting things great let's do it you know what i like to imagine you know at the end of raiders of the lost ark where Mm. they show them like wheeling the holy grail into the like infinite warehouse Warehouse with all the other shit there had to be a day where that warehouse was built and there was one thing in there like this is the first thing to maybe that's what it is it's this big warehouse these all these are acts and there's one bin it just says arts parts and that's all yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I love well, that idea. We're ready, guys. <laughs> Send it all over. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. Now, of course, uh, the community being the community, yeah. someone pressed the Pentagon for a statement, and Susan Goff, uh, the Pentagon spokesperson, just repeated their stock denial. To date, the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office has not discovered any verifiable information to substantiate claims that programs regarding the possession or reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materials have existed in the past or exist currently. Yeah, 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 we know. <laughs> yeah, we got some aliens and UFOs in the garage. We're done. We're, we done convened with them a bit, but you know, it's not for... Not for us to say what they is and what they isn't. I was like, <laughs> I don't know where that accent came from. Apparently, uh, this this branch of the DoD is based in the South. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Chuck, do you watch uh, Skinwalker Ranch? No, you've you've mentioned it on a number of occasions, and I'm. It's uh, just so fun watching this guy, Travis Taylor, who is. A genuine, honest-to-God rocket scientist. Yeah. Really smart guy, published papers, well-regarded yeah. in the field, but he's from Alabama, and uh, when he gets excited, his Alabama comes out, so yeah. we're always watching episodes like, this could be evidence of a wormhole above the ridge. It's a very exciting time. We're going we're gonna to go up there, and we're going to poke this thing, we're going to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I love <laughs> I love hearing you talk about that and the uh, the curse of, of Oak Island. I also okay, love when you tell me about show. that. Oh my god! Yeah, I I I started watching Oak Island years ago. I did not believe there was a treasure, but I was having fun watching these guys wander around the island, digging holes, and going, "Well, no gold here." <laughs> At this point, it's season ten. They've been doing it for a decade, and I can't stop watching. I am invested in these men's journey. <laughs> find gold on this island and skinwalker ranch unfortunately started the same way it has the same narrator it's on the same channel Uh, my mom was watching it she recommended it and like i would turn off every episode in disgust as they like took like a freeze frame of what to my eyes was clearly a bug flying in front of the camera they're like it's a (laughs) ufo there's a ufo right there Oh my god! Uh, At this point, there you know, four or five seasons in, and some genuinely weird stuff is happening, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I guess I'm no longer watching this ironically. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Scott has has quit these 
uh, pretty much at the end of every single season um, and like sworn them <laughs> off to me. Chuck, I'm never going to watch this again. It's so terrible. And the new season starts and he's always like, oh, I love it. I can't. It's a very exciting time. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. I can't think of a better sign off. We should just stop there. <laughs> just stop there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, we, we've had a great time today. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, wait, what am I doing? I'm skipping the recap. Hashtag, yeah, hashtag let, let Chuck, Chuck talk. talk. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get shirts made. I know we really do. It's a very exciting time. Yeah. Uh, so all excited shouting about Travis Taylor. <laughs> I know it's, it's how we should end every episode though. Really? <laughs> well, yeah, let's do the conclusion. So it's, um, it's definitely been a couple weeks. Uh, I don't, I don't know that they're crazy interesting, but they definitely happened. Um, we've got some, <laughs> some, we, some. Yeah, th- listen, man. Maybe it doesn't hold a candle to living through a hurricane, but <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. You know. Okay, so, uh, so actually, a funny thing about Florida during hurricanes. What would you imagine that going out to the beach is the ideal thing to do? <laughs> It seems like not ideal. Yeah. No, it would seem suboptimal at best. But I can tell you <laughs> that one of the favorite Florida things is to go to the beach right before the hurricane. And uh, and Florida has very shallow like coastlines. Uh, they, they just don't drop off very quickly, at least in the Gulf. Mm-hmm. And so you go out there and the hurricane is hoovering up all the water. And so... Okay. For about 12 hours or some amount of time, some significant amount of time before the hurricane, the coastline goes out miles further than oh, low tide. Oh, you got like a crazy low tide. Yeah. Oh, and so that's when all the, the uh, risk uh, tolerant uh, Floridans run out and grab all those shells and like, grab, <laughs> like uh, so it always makes me laugh and it feels incredibly Florida. Um, it's so. super Florida. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, there's a hurricane coming, but gotta get those shells, them, them shells. <laughs> They're going to sell on my Etsy, <laughs> Etsy store. <laughs> and then the worst part is they totally do. They totally do. And it, yeah, every year they're like, yeah, this was a great idea. Let's do this again. <laughs> let's do this every hurricane why yeah. aren't we out there all the time like just constantly uh anyways What's the so downside? similarly avi Loeb went out <laughs> went out onto the ocean floor and found some metal spheres um yeah m- maybe interstellar but uh maybe not they're definitely interesting and uh arrow has learned about email and <laughs> they have a very basic website uh no actually i'm i am jazzed that arrow is reporting to someone new i I really hope that that gets in the leadership oomph that they've needed. Yeah. Fingers crossed, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think that that was the week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, obviously this bit about, um, arrow having UAP material and the earlier bit we talked about with the UFO, the UFO witness, the whistleblowers bypassing arrow to go directly to the ICIG, those kind of feel like minor stories because we don't really have a way to confirm them yet, but those are the ones that get me really excited right now. Like those, if either of those is true, <laughs> Ooh, it's Ooh. Very exciting time. Uh, <laughs> uh, if either of those are true, they're a big deal, right? Like seeing arrow change from a pure investigative, 
arguably deniable mm, body yeah. into an actual like, yeah, we actually have weird stuff and we're looking into it. Body is a big shift. Yeah. Um, and seeing whistleblowers come forward oh, yeah, at right. least to the ICIG, if not yeah. to the public feels like that can only be good news to us, yeah, right? Like the, sure. the people we hear that are holding out on Grush are holding out because it's just one guy. And I think that angle gets a lot harder when there's Grush and like a handful of others who have direct knowledge of the program. Yeah. I think that's a big change moment. And not to tip my hand too much, <laughs> that's what we've heard from Ross Coltart and Marco Rubio okay. that Congress has heard from multiple firsthand witnesses. Those yeah. witnesses just aren't public yet. They've been working on how do we protect these witnesses. Right. So in that view, everything that Congress has been doing has been in the service of, we know this stuff is happening, but we can't tell you how we know. So we're going to pass laws that are designed to paint you into a corner and force you to admit something we need in order to take the next step. Yeah. Um, so I, it kind of feels like to stick with the hurricane metaphor, it kind of feels like we're in the calm of the storm, mm. right? Like it's something big is coming. And right now it doesn't feel like a lot is happening. This is the time we're going to run down to the beach. We're going to get all our seashells for our Etsy stores. Um, but that storm's going to hit buddy. Yeah. It feels like it, it that's what it feels like to me. Hmm. Like this is coming in. I'm I'm still hopeful that uh, the last few months of this year, there's going to be some big news to talk about. Yeah, I hope so too. And I mean, if not, we'll just talk about uh, Curse of Oak Island. Um, <laughs> Curse of Oak Island. Yeah, and you know, also, frankly, we need to talk about that Vatican UFO story. That there, there you go. Yeah. That's where we're going to get weird. Let's yeah. talk about the Pope and UFOs. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us on It's a Very Exciting Time. You can find show notes and more on our website, veryexcitingtime.com, as well as links to our social media accounts. And feel free to email us at scott or chuck at veryexcitingtime.com. And if you'd like to support the show, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash veryexcitingtime. And Chuck, as always... My wife thanks you for listening to me talk about UFOs so she doesn't have to. <laughs>